Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And today I'm welcoming back my good friend and brother, uh, Joey Tomlinson. Joey, welcome back to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, my brother. Yeah, man, man. Yeah. Can you catch up on what's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and, you know, what are you doing these days? Yeah. So um, pastoring uh, Deer Park Fellowship, uh, a church plant that is a project that we have been working on. I think I might have told your listeners that last time I was on for about three years and we kind of have been officially planted for about the last year. Um, married to uh, my wife, Braden, and uh, we have three incredible, incredible boys. Uh, Henry is my oldest and then it goes Owen and then Ames, and uh, and they are full of life and energy and keep us extremely busy, and we're loving every minute of it, and um, and and yeah, and so God God has been gracious to my family. God has been gracious to our our local church, and um, mm. uh, a couple new projects. One we're getting ready to talk about here in just a minute, but, uh, um, just as a, a, a side comment have been kind of behind the scenes working on a, uh, a book, uh, just about Jonathan Edwards and his 70 resolutions that Lord willing, I'll be able to talk about in more detail with you at some point in the near future. But just, those are, those are some of the, the high points of things going on in the, in our world right now. Awesome, brother. Well, that's great. Great to hear. Well, you have this new book. It's it's out now. The Day of Trouble, Depression, Scripture, and the God Who Is Near. Hey, tell us about it and why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received. Yeah, absolutely. So I, it originally was not something that it wasn't on my radar to write this as a book. Uh, years ago, I preached a, a sermon uh, and. Uh, it was from a Psalm. It was from Psalm 77. Um, I preached a a sermon and, and the sermon overall kind of spoke to just the experience of the psalmist as it related to depression and, and trying to um, really minister to, to people in our congregation that, um, that I knew were wrestling with depression and had been for a long time and, and equip them one to uh, to see that their struggle isn't unique, that they're not isolated uh, here in history, but uh, to, so to show them that, uh, to also show them the sacred words of Scripture, and to give some vocabulary to their particular experience with depression, uh, and and also to uh, give them hope from the Word of God as well. And so I, I preached this sermon, and um, and I realized in the in prepping it, that there was a lot that could be said about it. And, uh, I think anyone who preaches regularly would tell you that you, you end up cutting out way more than you actually bring into the pulpit. And, um, and so 
so after I preached that, there were there were a lot of people, uh, uncharacteristically, that reached out just to tell me that they were encouraged by the word of God and 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 how that the voice of Psalm seventy seven and some of the other psalms that we looked at over the course of the morning uh, really helped them and, and gave voice to their struggle. And, and so, uh, that got me thinking that there, there was more that could have been said. And, and if, um, this was helpful to the people in the congregation, perhaps I could write or put together the stuff that I had been cutting out and, and give it to them. And so I started doing a little work behind the scenes to, uh, put a series of articles together that I, I was going to just plan to put out on a blog and uh and before yeah. i realized it i had a lot more material uh than than i initially <laughs> thought and um and so uh so i talking with another brother that has has published in the past i was uh encouraged to consider uh, turning it into a book and so when the wheels got to turning on that i began to to work through it and, uh, uh, and, and writing a book is much different than, as you, you know, better than me, much different than writing an article, you know, you're, it's a completely different mindset and approach and it's, 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 a it's, uh, a lot harder. And so it, it was a big learning curve for me to do that. Um, but, uh, but it, it has gone through several different iterations over the, time that I have been working on it and writing it and, um, and had a, uh, a dear brother, Brian Hedges, who I think, you know, I think you've written a, like a endorsement for some books he's published in the, in the, I have, right. I have, I've known him for quite a few years like you. Okay. So. Yeah. I think, yeah. About, I think about the same, maybe a few years before. I, I think met. you've known him longer than yeah, me. Just so, I, just by a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, he was gracious enough to, to look at a very early draft of the book and uh, it really began to push me and mark it up and challenge me. And, and, mm. and his comments have made the book a lot better. His editorial help has made the book a lot better. And, and so, uh, so long story short, uh, it was picked up by H and E their imprint, Joshua press to, to come out for publication. But, but the goal is the same goal that I had when I, when I was preaching it to the the people at the church I was pastoring at the time, which is, um, I mean, depression is not a, uh, it, it's widespread and it touches everyone. You're either wrestling with it or you know someone who is wrestling with it. And I wanted to um, put together a resource that um, one had a mindfulness uh, it, that pushed people toward the local church, because that's where God primarily cares for his people is in the context of the local church. And so I wanted to produce a resource that would push the reader um, toward deeper fellowship with God's church and coming under the care of the elders. Uh, and I also wanted to write a resource that was um, uh, uh, that counseled both the body and soul, because a lot of the resources that I read uh, that are uh, on depression tend to either be um, very, uh, by nature, very material materialistic in the sense of like, it's almost a kind of a Darwinian approach, like it's all body. Right. And, and so in our bodies are, are, are kind of this experimentation factory with where we throw a bunch of drugs and, and see what works. And so you've kind of got that on one side of things. And then on, on the other side, there 
seems to be in, in an overreaction to to this ditch. There seems to be this sort of Gnostic approach where the body's viewed more as just this prison, the soul's trying to escape. And we're, it, this is solely a spiritual issue without giving consideration to how both feed into one another and how God has made us both body and soul and and how one day when God in Christ returns to make everything new that our souls will be reunited with our body. And, and so I wanted to put together a an accessible book, not a textbook, that addresses body and soul care with an emphasis on the need for being involved in the local church. And uh, and so uh, so that was the the focal point in some regard of my preaching many years ago when I talked about it. But it's it's even since developed as, you know, things do when you begin to when you think about them a whole lot and you begin to write them. And, and so my, my hope will be that people will be encouraged in the gospel, that they will see a body and soul approach um, mm. uh, that people that are needing to take medication for biological reasons, won't feel shame and guilt for doing so while at the same time, won't see the biological remedies as their savior, but see Christ as the one who uh, meets their, meets their need and is there with them in the midst of their suffering. And, uh, and that they, they will see that the ordinary means of grace uh, preaching, you know, prayer and sacrament, you know, baptism, Lord's supper, that those are the places that God promises to grow you and conform you more into the image of His son, Jesus Christ and prepare you for eternity. And so, um, and so my, that, that, that is my hope. And, uh, and I tried to write it in such a way that, uh, again, there's discussion questions at the end of each chapter uh, or um, that I, the goal is for this book to be worked through in community. And so it, it's it's for, you know, I hope a pastor can pick it up and maybe a pastor is unfamiliar with depression and can be equipped a little bit more on how to minister with people wrestling with depression or uh, just a, a good trusted Christian friend that has someone in their life that's struggling that they could be equipped to help. And, uh, and then, and then certainly it's for the person that's wrestling. Uh, and, uh, my, my hope is to, to be able to help them see they're not alone and to, to offer them, uh, the most significant thing that they could be offered, which is Christ. Mm. So. Yeah. It's that that's all really good, brother. You know, I think what you're, what you touched on, well, there's a couple of things that you touched on just there. And, and in the book, you do really good you know, we as a church, I think, need to do better. And I know you and I have talked about this many, many times. So this isn't anything for you and I. But the church needs to do a significantly better job talking about depression. And you do a really good job in the book talking about this because you're right. We do need to come alongside of each other. There is a place for the church. And as we both know, because we both have studied biblical counseling and, you know, caring how the church has, has cared for people. Uh, the church has led the way in this. We don't have to retreat on on this. You know, the yeah. Bible has that good answers. The church has good answers. We have we have retreated, I think, a bit on in 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 the last while in in this area, and I think that's unfortunate because we do have the better answers than what you know secular psychology has to offer, which is no answer really, other than just. F- dump like you're saying you're not against medicine and i'm not either as you know but uh beginning with the medicine beginning with the self-help techniques beginning with those things is not the place in a biblical worldview where we start nor has the church started there ever 
um, we led the way, as we both know, and probably our many of our audience does as well, in in the care of souls. I mean, mm-hmm. psychology itself came sprung out from that very origin, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, what you're what you're talking about is the church's response to you know not just depression but mental health in general and i think that that's where the book really shines as well in that you're 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 advocating for what scripture says what the church has said and also you're combining your pastoral and biblical counsel significant pastoral and biblical counseling you know education and experience that you're bringing to the table and so i think that the combination of all of that is, is really really helpful for for the reader you know, will they agree with every jot and tittle that you wrote? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yes. Right. Right. And, and do they, do they a hundred percent agree with me? Oh, I mean, come on. If you don't agree with Dave Jenkins, what's wrong with you people? You know, I'm just kidding. Well, that's so sarcasm, you know, but, but seriously, like it's, it's so good because we do need to have this conversation just to be, make, make a serious point here for a second. We do need to have a serious conversation. Um, and I wish more people were having it with us about mental health because, you know, we, we have we have people in our churches that are, you know, we have a whole generation, the, the, the baby boomer generation that is getting uh, out there in the culture that's getting Alzheimer's and cancer and um, they're getting dementia. And where's the help? I mean, every time, brother, that I post, I, I think I've told you this before. Every time I post about prayer for my dad, I get emails, I get messages on direct social media. Would you? Would you do a podcast? I mean, I've, I've talked about it. Would you write an article? There's a there's there's a few books you know that do this well. There's one by John Dunlop. Um, you know, there's David Murray's on depression. But we need more. What I'm saying is, we need more. We need to have more of a conversation about these things and and you're absolutely i just want to say all that say you're absolutely right that the church needs to come alongside and utilize um what we you know what we call the means of grace and we need to we need to utilize those things when we need to cultivate that and in our in our lives um they've done actual when my dad got diagnosed with dementia in 2012 i started studying that and i couldn't i couldn't study it too much at the time because (laughs) i mean realizing what was happening to my dad was you know that's that that was horrible yeah and and it and it made me cry and so that i i had to figure out that i couldn't do that anymore uh i couldn't torture myself as much as i wanted to keep reading about it i was torturing myself yeah i had to stop but like the more i the more i was reading on that and and considering that you know one of the aspects of that is that um, that they found in a, just a secular from a secular perspective, which you know the secular stuff in in, in many respects, they are leading the way in the research, and so we can we can glean from that, and we would say in a common grace perspective. But they but they found is is that you know people need community, that mm-hmm. we were made essentially for community, and with Alzheimer's and dementia, one of the one of the best things that you can do is to have that person with Alzheimer's and dementia in the church. And so I, I just bring that up to, emph- to to add to what you're saying about the, mm-hmm. the aspect of community. It's interesting because what did God say in Ecclesiastes 3.11? God said eternity 
on our hearts. In the garden, he 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 made us in community. What what is the church? It's community. We were made for community. We can't get around that. And even even the world that totally denies God and does away with God and wants to elevate the self, even they recognize what the Bible says about our need for community. Yeah, yeah. And and I think even, you know, for the person that wrestles with depression, sometimes it's hard to even see the value in being in community. Like, you know, I could I could look across from someone suffering with any form of mental health and begin to emphasize the need for them to be in fellowship with other believers and the need for them to, again, sit under the ordinary means of grace week in and week out, trusting that the Lord will, will use that um, uh, to, to encourage them and strengthen them. And, and a lot of times when I tell that to people, they look at me like I have two heads, but for those that would um, take that step forward, even if they seem distracted and foggy uh, minded and their knees are wobbling when they stand up and they, they are singing these uh, in, incredible, unchanging truths about who God is for them in Christ. Um, e- even though they may be wrestling in the midst of that, given enough time, like they, the Lord does use that to help clear things up for them. That doesn't mean that he this out of eternity delivers them from their ailments, but it does mean that he makes his nearness known. And one of the ways in which he makes his nearness known is through his body, uh, the body of Christ, through the body of Christ, his hands and his feet. And so we, we do have to put ourselves in a position to um, be in community. And then as a church body, have eyes for people that are wrestling so that we can reach in and welcome them and, and make sure, you know, that, the church should be the place where people are safe to uh, wrestle and, and struggle and be reminded that, uh, that Christ is coming back to make everything better. And, um, mm. and, and, and Christians, you know, you mentioned a few, like uh, the works of David Murray um, have been tremendously encouraging to me. His, his just, his, uh, from my view, clear-headedness on this issue, as well as brothers like Ed Welch, who have written a, a wealth of um, uh, just stuff on depression. Uh, Charles Hodge, who's a biblical counselor and a, a medical doctor, while I would have some disagreements with him about a, a, a few things, like the stuff he's written has been immensely beneficial to me and and I know to other people as well. And and so there are some people that are writing and writing some helpful things, but compared to literature that's being published by people who aren't Christians, there's still just so little uh, information out there and encouragement and equipping manuals out there for uh, in the mental health world and, and Christians, as you are, you know, uh, you're highlighting, we need to be vocal about it. And the reason we need to be vocal and we don't need to speak beyond what we know, we need to be equipped and and learn and grow. And in, in writing this book for me, I've realized how little I know about depression and how little I know about mental health. And so I, I feel like I'm just getting a taste of how very little I know just through writing this book. But, um, uh, but Christians have the best starting place, which is the word of God, 
right? And, and so the Apostle Paul, Romans 15, 14, speaks of the competency of Christians to be able to admonish one another. And that the reason why is because we have the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. And so we have that, which is a lot. And then we also have the presupposition that every single person is created in the image of God. And when you see uh, a, a brother or sister or even a non-Christian that you, when you see them as created in the image of God, that changes the way that you treat them and approach them. And, um, and that is what um, the uh, secular world or the broader society can't offer. And, and while in God's common grace, they have much to offer, they can't offer the most significant things that the church can. And so the church being able to offer the most significant things and then to educate themselves on the other stuff so that they can have this sort of holistic approach to mental health, you know, un- understanding that there's limitations and, and know, knowing when to refer to, um, uh, to, to counselor, mental health counselors, or knowing when to refer to, you know, hey, you need to go be evaluated by a medical professional, you know, being able to discern those things. And again, know, know your particular lane but we we can't pretend as if the Bible doesn't speak to issues such as mental health and depression and anxiety, because the Bible does speak to those things. And if the Bible speaks to those things, then we have to speak to those things as well. Yeah. Yeah. As you're, as you're just talking, I was thinking of God's specific and hidden will, you know, revealed will. Yeah. We know, yeah. We know his revealed will because it's in the Bible. Yeah. And, and the rest of it, you know, we just have to commit to to God because he hasn't made it known. Yeah. You know, he's he Deuteronomy 29, 29. He, the, the secret things belong to the Lord. You know, we can only understand fine so much because we're finite, finite beings. And that's God made us that way, but he's infinite. And so we can trust him. And that's a good thing. And that's why we need one another. And, and just to highlight it again, we need one another. And, and you were talking about, you know, counseling people. You know, you you do. This is why I like to have you write on this because you you write so helpfully on, you know, on this because out of your own, you know, education and experience doing so. But say say there's somebody in the church. They they have a family member. They have a friend. You know, they have somebody they're they're working with, and you know, they want to you know talk to them about depre- their their discouragement, depression, fear, whatever. Uh, what's a good way to begin to to have that conversation and then you know maybe maybe also you know talk to the family member as well about encouraging you know or, or others friends uh, encouraging one another uh to to walk alongside maybe even spouses as well you know just just a broad range of people yeah i mean i i think a good first step is letting them know that you're available and approachable. Um, you know, I, I think that that, and so things like body posture and paying attention and, um, and list like listening well, letting them know that you're willing to listen and not even just speak. Like, I think the, the amount of, uh, you go to the book of Job and you see the immense grief that he's experiencing, just immense loss and the depression that's under, you know, that, that is being caused by immense loss. And his friends had it right when they first came and they just sat with him and they, they didn't say anything. 
and things begin to get sideways when they begin to assume motives and root issues and they begin to open their mouths when things got sideways. And so a lot of times we don't, I think we, we think we see the situation clearly when in reality, we may not see it as clearly as we um, think that we do. And so, so I think a first step is one being approachable um, and available and not being so quick to give counsel right out of the gate. Right. And, and so if somebody takes you up on the offer, you know, a family member or a, a friend uh, don't, you can't, this isn't something you just fix or fix overnight. And also the Lord is sovereign over, he's the one that produces change, not you. So you can't manipulate it or fast track it. Um, and, uh, and so being near them and being available to them is a big first step in them knowing that. Uh, and then if they take you up on the offer, listen, and I think you and I have talked about this on a previous episode that, that we've recorded about grief, like listening broadly, listening generously and, and, and letting them fumble their way through telling you, you things like, Oh, what they just said, isn't theologically correct or what they just, you know, like, let, let me, let me, let me correct all of these things or wow, they, they're being really emotional or brutal in, in the way in which they're communicating it. And, and I need to make sure that I address it because there must be some sin underneath this. And, and uh, like, I, I think that we've got to resist those inclinations if that is our inclination. And, uh, and so, so understanding, sitting, listening, uh, knowing that when you, when you tell someone that you're making yourself available to them, that you're making yourself available to them for the long term, and not, hey, this is a quick fix. Like it's a, it's a, it's a long, hard journey. Um, uh, but, uh, and so I, I would say those are some first steps, again, that generally would apply to anyone given the, the situation. Yeah. Um, just to uh, just clarify yeah. one thing, you know, we're, when you say that, when you say, you know, about, you know, overlooking, you know, which is what you're, what you're talking about. Cause I know you, you know, you're overlooking that it's not that you're never going to address it. It's that you're going to come back to it later. Yeah. Uh, just so that people, people who don't know you, people that, you know, would hear that. I just want to clarify that because, you know, you don't, when you're counseling somebody, you don't look over, you look over it at the time, but that doesn't mean if they say something heretical that you're never going to address it. No, it just, well, means that, it just means at the time you're going to come back to it a little bit later so that they, so they're not, you know, sh you're not shutting them down. Um, I just want to, I just want to clarify that in case anybody heard that and they're like, well, you know, Joey said this, but that's, that's not what we're, that's not what biblical counselors do. No, I think I think though it's about discerning and prioritizing. And so I think sometimes someone says something that's not theologically accurate. That doesn't mean they believe that. That means they poorly misspoke, right? And and so and if you if you decide to jump on it right in that moment, yeah, it's going to it's not going to be productive. It's going to make your counseling less productive, not more productive, or your journeying with them because if the person you're sitting with feels like they have to parse out everything and get it just right, or they're going to be interrupted by you, they're not going to see you as a safe person to be vulnerable with. And if they're not willing to be vulnerable and honest with you in that relationship, then you're not going to be any help anyways. And so you've got to make sure that 
one, you're being discerning. Does this, this person said this, and this might mean that they believe something wrong about God. And so I, I will revisit that. Or did this person just misspeak? And that's not actually what they meant. Like, so I'll give you, for instance, I sat with a, uh, uh, somebody one time that I was counting, it was actually a, a kid that I was, um, I was meeting with who was struggling with, I, it wasn't a counseling relationship, but a kid struggling with assurance of faith. And, and the kid was struggling with the assurance of faith because, um, her mom was, uh, was saying that God was speaking to her. God is, God speaks to me. God, t- t- you know, God says this, God says that. And, I knew this person well enough to know that I, I don't think that the mom is saying God is audibly talking to me. And so the, per, the, the kid was wrestling with assurance of faith because the kid was like, I, I don't hear God's voice. Like God's not audibly speaking to me. So is something wrong with me or does he not love me? Like, why is this, you know, my mom's experience and it's not my experience. And and for whatever reason, the mom and, and the kid hadn't had that conversation and the, you know, the kid ends up addressing it with me. And so I, I meet with the mom and, and the kid to, together. And, um, uh, and by kid, I, 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 the kid was a t- teenager and it was kind of a passing thing, but the, anyways, the, and I, and I asked the mom, like, when you, when you say that God, God said this to me or God told, like, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, when you say that, and the the answer was like, as I'm reading the word of God, the Lord is speaking to me as I'm reading the word. I said, so He's not. You're not saying you're audibly hearing voices. And she was mortified that that would have been what was taken away, but she was just careless with her word in that moment, right? And so I could have approached that and just said, listen, God is not audibly speaking to you. The canon of scripture is close. Like I could have come to certain conclusions based off of the limited information that I had, but I went about it a different way. And, and at face value, the mom spoke poorly, but that, you know, the mom didn't think God, God's given her some new revelation, if that makes sense. And so I, I give that just as an illustration, just say like, it's worth fleshing things out and not necessarily assuming that just because someone says something incorrectly that, um, yeah, they they genuinely have this false belief. It takes some discernment and some time to flush that out. Uh, and then even with when you're noticing things like oftentimes I'll sit with people that they're depressed because they're embittered and they're angry. And um, and I can see that pretty early on bitterness and anger that has been unaddressed, that's depressing an individual. But I don't want to just quickly say, well, here's your pro- here's your problem you need to repent of your bitterness and you need to repent of your anger. I want to spend a few more meetings really fleshing that out before I come to that conclusion and say, you, you need to, you are clearly embittered and you need to repent. And so, um, and so, so I guess what I'm, I'm saying is just don't, don't be in a rush to get everything out in one meeting in one sitting, um, take, take, take your time to try to make sure that you're understanding the situation and do so in a, in a, with a posture where you're dependent upon the spirit of God to be your strength and to help you, uh, interpret a situation and, and use the word of God, um, as your guide to how you approach 
that individual. Does that make sense? No, that's that's exactly where I was wanting you to kind yeah. of take this because we we and I know we've talked about that uh, so much. It, we take a and we've talked about it on the show. Um, you know, we we do take too much of a cookie cutter approach rather than what you're arguing in the book and what you just said, a whole person approach. Um, and, and where you see what people are actually saying and what they're meaning and not, you know, immediately rushing to conclusions, but sitting and finding out and asking questions. And, you know, cause when you ask questions, it's going to, like you said, people are going to, it's going to come out, you know, yeah. out of the abundance. Jesus says that very right. clearly out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yep. And he, and he says that multiple times in multiple different mm-hmm. ways. It's pretty interesting. So, you know, that that's that's really good. And that's and that just brings up another point that why what I appreciate about the book is that that you're taking this approach and you're helping people to to think through it and you do it persuasively, you do it biblically, you're doing it gently, but you're you're still firm in your convictions. And uh, you know, that's probably that's one of the things I just appreciate, but just another point. I just really appreciate that about you, brother. Oh, thanks, my brother. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, where can people go to, to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? So I'm on Twitter and Facebook. So you can you can certainly find me there. Um and uh tell, you can tell about your podcast too. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have completely space that that's how bad I am at doing uh <laughs> the so uh we have a blog and podcast uh, uh by we I mean me and another uh just a friend of mine pastor in the area uh Ron Davidson who um co- he we occasionally write articles it's been uh we've barely written anything as of late but we try to about every other week we put out a podcast episode so our one of our most recent podcast episodes um, uh, out of the last several that we have done was an interview with, with you on a, on your book. And, um, and, I, so and we, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Much. And it was a blast. We, we had a good time. And, and, um, and so and we, made fun of, we made fun of Joey too. Ryan and I did. You guys okay. did gang up on me. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> but, um, but that's at broadoakpotty.org or you can download the podcast on wherever it is that you listen to podcast and, um, yeah. And then for the book, you know, if you're looking to grab a copy of the book, you can get that from H&E Publishing or you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I think where wherever books are sold, you can you can grab it. We're trying to get it on Servants of Grace, right? We're, so we're going to carry it at Servants of Grace at our shop on there, too. So. Very nice of you. So you can you can go to Servants of Grace and, and get it off of uh, off of the website there as well. And uh, so, yeah. Well, brother, you know, as I always say, as we wrap, wrap up the wrap up the show, yeah, there's always so much to talk about and doubly true on this, triply true, probably quadruply true, extra, extra, you know, sauce <laughs> with that, you know, or whatever. Who knows? Who even knows what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, whatever. But anyways, as we wrap up, give it, give us a few takeaways. Yeah. So, I, I mean, one, you're struggling with depression. I, I think one, no, you're not, you're not alone in your struggle with depression. Um, two, uh, wrestle with depression in the context of the local church. Um, three, if medication is needed, don't feel guilt about that, uh, but know that it is a symptom management. It's not your cure, um, uh, that you're, you're, you need Christ. And, um, and so, um, so, so look to Christ by looking to his word. 
Um, four, I give consideration as well to, to even just practically speaking in the book, we get into nutrition and to exercise and to sleep habit. Like there's, there's different biological remedies that we get in again, remember that you are made body and soul and, and address your depression that way. And, um, and, and in all things cling to the God who is near you. And the evidence that he is near you is that he sent his son to seek and save you. So, um, so if I, I could give, give some, some takeaways, like I, I certainly would think those are, are worthwhile. Yeah, it's really good. Well, guys, uh, the book is the day of trouble, depression, scripture, and the God who is near. I encourage you to pick it up. It is very good. It's very helpful. You'll enjoy it. You endorsed it. And I endorsed it. Well, we'll yeah. yeah, I endorsed it. So you know that it's good and uh check it out and we look forward joey to having you back on uh not only to talk about your other book but other topics and thank you for your friendship brother hey thank you my brother i really appreciate it Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.